This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one and CFZM-FM 96.7 in downtown Toronto. Owned and operated by MZ Media Incorporated. Zoomer Radio. Timeless hits. Good afternoon, 12 o'clock. I'm Bob Comsick with news on Zoomer Radio. Sunny, windy, a high of only one. And right now it's minus four, 28 Fahrenheit. The wind chill is minus eight in the news at Queen's Park. Lieutenant Governor is starting to read the speech from the throne, spelling out the government's priorities ahead of the election in June. And political strategist Ashton Arsenault will be joining Zoomer Radio's fight back with Libby Snymer right after the news to look at what's likely to be in it and what may help or hurt the Liberals. Libby will also take a closer look at some controversial comments from the Premier on the weekend when she tried to appeal to younger voters, suggesting they're not traditionally as politically engaged as, quote, older white people. Vice President Zoomer Media's David Kravitz will weigh in. As always, we would like you to do the same, so get in line now by calling one of ours, 416-360-0740 or toll-free, 1-866-740-4740. Meanwhile, NDP leader Andrea Horvath says her promised $1.2 billion universal dental care program would be the largest investment in dental care in Ontario history. Uh, Horvath's release details of the plan announced on Saturday, saying that working people People and their families would be covered through their jobs, and all other Ontarians would be covered through public dental coverage. She says the innovative structure will cover about 4.5 million who don't have dental benefits now, including those on social assistance and seniors who don't have retirement benefits. The plan would also set minimum standards for dental plans that will apply to all employers for all working people, including part-timers, contractors, freelancers, or math ads in a statement that the program would be fully implemented by the end of her first term as premier. From Ottawa now, where Terry Pedwell reports sexual misconduct appears to be a problem on Parliament Hill. A total of 266 people responded to the anonymous online survey, which asked employees in the Ottawa offices of MPs, senators, and cabinet ministers to share their opinions of and their personal experiences with sexual misconduct in the workplace. The results tell a story about male and female staffers coping with a culture many say fosters the conditions for abuse. One wrote that everyone on the Hill knows someone who's been sexually assaulted or harassed. However, 65 survey respondents said they had personally experienced sexual harassment either directly or outside the workplace, while more than twice as many, 145 respondents, said they had not. Terry Pedro, the Canadian Press. Ottawa. Midday markets now. TSX off 130 points to 15,581. Dow Jones down 279 to 24,667. NASDAQ's off 151 to 7331. Oil down 60 cents to 6181 a barrel. Gold is up 550 to 131780 an ounce. And our dollar is up fractionally to 76.37 cents American. 1203 weather coming up. From May 4th to 13th, experience the most memorable songs in theater history with Cabaret, live at Niagara Falls View Casino. Based on Roundabout Theatre Company's Tony Award-winning production, Sam Mendes and Rob Marshall's Cabaret is a full-scale musical production that will entertain audience members from start to finish. Visit fallsviewcasinoresort.com for tickets. Cabaret, live May 4th to 13th at Niagara Falls View Casino. Zoomer Radio weather, sunny, breezy, a high of one. Few clouds tonight, down to minus six. Mostly sunny tomorrow, windy, and a high of only two. Right now it's minus four, 28 Fahrenheit, wind chills minus eight. I'm Bob Comsick. News next at one on Zoomer Radio. Now, fight back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio. Good afternoon and welcome. It's being called an opportunity to hit the reset button at taxpayers' expense. The lieutenant governor is reading the Liberal government's speech from the throne right now. 
Premier Kathleen Wynne says this is necessary to lay out the government's priorities ahead of the upcoming election. It was a surprise when Parliament was prorogued last week, and on the weekend, the NDP jumped in and released some of their platform to try to steal a march on this, notably their dental plan, which has just been costed at $1.2 billion. And that was probably a good idea, given that many liberal promises are taken straight from the NDP playbook. Bob Comsick will be back with an update as soon as we know exactly what is in the throne speech. But first, I want to revisit something the Premier said on the weekend when she addressed a diverse group of students, trying to scare them into voting by dissing older people. Take a listen. You know, if you don't vote, then somebody who looks like me is going to vote. Some senior person, older than me, some white person. You know, the reality is that that's the demographic that's going to get out and vote. So we need you. We need you to be engaged. Well, what was she thinking? Because, you know, it is certainly true that older people of whatever color vote in overwhelming numbers. What do you think? Do you think that the way she said that, if she had named any other group other than seniors and white people, uh, would that have been a racist remark? I'd like to hear from you. What do, what do you think of, of that comment. The numbers to call 416-360-0740, toll-free 1-866-740-4740. Right now, we have Ashton Arsenault, who is a consultant with Crestview Strategy, and David Kravitz, who is an author. He is an expert on demographics and intergenerational relations, if you would, and a VP here at Zoomer Media. Welcome to you both. Thank you very much. Okay, David, let's start with you. How do you take that comment? Well, I think there's two parts that are very problematic. The get out and vote part is not. It's every politician in front of any audience is going to say, I need your vote. Come out and vote. Let's vote. Nothing wrong with that. But two parts are troubling. Number one, singling out a kind of either or if you don't vote, they will control the deal, and uh, they are defined in identity group politics, which, number one, is very you know divisive, but number two, why are all older people necessarily going to be monolithic in how they vote anyway? And second of all, isn't it legitimate for them to vote? She positioned it almost as your voting stops them from voting, and that's or clearly from, absurd. Or from deciding. Or from deciding. And, and before we um, move on to Ashton, uh, you know, she singled out white people, I mean, um, do people of different ethnic origins, I mean, older people vote, does it does it break down according to ethnic lines? Or do just, you know, if you're white, black, brown, whatever, you vote more when you get older? Well, I think that's true. There's a, there's a, across all ethnicities, there's more engagement, there's more civic engagement, the older you get. Um, and there's no evidence in our society, I'm not saying elsewhere in the world, but in our society, that there are these monolithic blocks by race, and it's very unfair to say that somehow older white voters would be inimical to Kathleen Wynne's agenda, and she needs help from the young people to stop these big bad people from having their way. Uh, what I'm asking is, is it, uh, I would assume that older non-white voters also vote a lot. They do. They're, yeah, they're it crosses all uh, religions, it crosses all ethnicities, and there, there is a tendency to vote more the older you get. Okay, Ashton, what do you make of those comments? Well, I think these comments are an unfortunate case of boogeyman comments, um, politics from the Premier. Look, um, a couple of things stand out to me that leave me somewhat perplexed on why she would say this. So, first, I can't help but think that if these comments were made by a politician of another stripe, uh, there'd be a considerable amount of uproar. Uh, I think comments like these from the Premier are at best divisive and, frankly, irresponsible. Um, second, the fact that nobody really wants to talk about these comments is one thing. But it's worth noting that these comments came during an official government event. You know, this wasn't a campaign rally. It wasn't an election debate. And frankly, the Premier's opponents were nowhere in sight. She uttered these comments in her official capacity as Premier, and I think that's quite unfortunate. You know, everyone in this province, and for that matter in the country, knows that if you're over the age of 18, you're able to go out and exercise your democratic right and cast a ballot for whomever you would like. And I don't think our politicians should be playing off one age group or one race, for that matter, against another in the hopes of securing an electoral mandate. Well, I, you know, I wasn't aware of that, that this was uh, a, a government 
event as opposed to an election event. So sh- should sh- should she have been addressing this at all? Personally, I think the comments were inappropriate regardless of the setting. Um, but the fact that it was in her official capacity as premier and leader of the government just makes it all that more troubling. Uh, that, that's my perspective. You stopped at just saying, get out and vote. I need your vote. That's fine. I mean, there's government taxpayer-funded programs to encourage young people to vote. Uh, boilerplate remark, leave it at that. But she had to go on and uh, stir up trouble. Well, y- yeah, I mean, um, but... Older people do vote, and uh, I mean, does she get any uh, kind of a pass for saying people like me because she is an older white person? I don't think so. She knew what she was getting at. Sure she she knows that <laughs> if the 18 knew. to 35 demographic shows up en masse, uh, there's a good chance um, that the majority of them will be voting liberal. It's just the, sort of the trend that we've seen over time. Liberal uh, or NDP? That's, that's a fair point, but as you already mentioned in your intro, um, the Liberal Party, especially the Ontario Liberals, have a proven track record of taking just about every decent NDP policy that they come up with. So, um, you know, at the, at, at the end of the day, if that demographic comes out en masse, I think uh, Premier Wynne would be much more happy uh, knowing that she's probably going to get a good chunk of those votes as opposed to the NDP and ultimately the Tories. Okay, uh, let's take a couple of calls. We've got Dennis in Brampton. Hi, Dennis. Hi, Libby. Thanks for taking my call. Uh, first of all, I should say I'm, I'm both white and a senior. Okay. Uh, I, I take absolutely no offense at those comments. I really? think it's much ado about nothing. The reality is that young people are not getting out to vote, and that was the purpose of it. And to somehow turn this into something that is clearly racist, where seniors are concerned, is ludicrous. Those are my comments. Okay, thanks, Dennis. All right, so uh, Dennis doesn't think there was anything wrong with what she said. I mean, I thought that it was definitely pointing at, you know, seniors are those people who will stop you from getting what you need. It was definitely, to me, pitting the generations. For sure. Even, yeah. if, you, even if you left out the white people part of it, uh, mm-hmm. you're assuming that the interests of the seniors are hostile to the interest of the younger voters, that both sides, that the seniors in particular, is something not quite legit about them looking at the um, political landscape and making an informed decision about what's in their best interest. Why is it legit for younger people to vote on their best interests and not for older people to do the same? Yeah, look, I think we can all agree that a politician encouraging a young person to vote is a good thing. Yeah. But I don't think that's what was at the heart of her comments here. I think she indirectly told a group of young folks that, you know what, you better go out and vote or it's going to be hijacked by somebody that you probably don't agree with. And that's where I take issue. Um, Yeah. Um, Let's uh, hear from Margaret in Thornhill. Hello, Margaret. Oh, hi. Good morning, uh, Libby. How are you this morning? Fine, thank you. How are you? Are you in good spirits? I'm, of course. Why not? Very good subject matter. Okay, regarding um, uh, Howard's uh, remark about uh, seniors and whites uh, voting, uh, it's not acceptable to me. If, as Canadians, uh, all should get up and vote, we all have a right, either we're white, black, green, or yellow, or gender, or, or female, or male, Everyone has a right to vote, and I think this election, there might be a lot of people thinking who they should vote since the Conservatives have uh, uh, got a new leader. And uh, we do want everybody to get off their backside and vote for Ontario as an Ontarian. And it doesn't matter what they are. That's the way I look at it. Well, are, are you offended by these remarks? I am offended. Not offended. No, let her make whatever remarks she she wants. She's not going to win because people are not going to accept it. She's just going to go down in politics. So she should watch what she's saying. Okay. Thanks for that. Okay. Thanks a lot. Take care. Okay. Uh, is this the mark of a desperate politician, Ashton? That's that's how uh, some commentators have viewed it. Well, if we're going to transition into uh, a chat about the throne speech, then we can certainly talk about desperation, because it exclusively smacks of that. But in terms of these comments, uh, I don't think that's a desperation mode. I think that was um, the Premier trying to position uh, her party for the best electoral outcome possible. Uh, I think she could have done it in a more polite way, if not, uh, if not at all. 
Um, but I'm not going to take too many issues with what the premier has said, because at, at least at the very heart of it, it was encouraging young people to vote. And I think that's something we can all agree with. <laughs> Do you think something like that will work? Is that what it takes, uh, David, to get young people to vote? There's no uh, there's no evidence for that. Maybe she knows something we all don't know. It's very striking that over the last almost 20 years, there's a 60-40 split in the actual votes cast between people over the age of 45, the entry to Zoomer land, let's say, people under the age of 45, 60-40. And if you say, just take the 65 plus, the older people, the oldest of the older group and the millennials, it's about two and a half to one. And so in up years and down years in liberal governments, conservative governments, it's partly a function of higher turnout and it's partly a function of more people in the group to begin with. So it's not going to change. I think she is going to get perhaps some more old, younger people out and that's that's fine to go after them. But these are very um, divisive terms because the issue of intergenerational rivalry is a sensitive one anyway, which we haven't, we haven't talked about. And she's stoking that fire and I find that troubling. Yeah, I mean, the other thing, uh, my observation, if you look at what happened south of the border with with Bernie Sanders, I think that if you want to get young people out to vote, uh, I think you have to inspire them as opposed to trying to scare them. Scare them. Um, yes, Ashton, do you th- is that, what do you think of that, Ashton? Right, it's a fantastic point. I mean, you look at Senator Sanders from Vermont. Uh, you know, if he's not checking every box of older white guy persona, I don't know who is. <laughs> uh, and the fact that he managed yeah, right. to create so much inspiration on college campuses and in municipalities and in cities for his platform, uh, well, that's how you get young people to vote. And it's really quite impressive with what he was able to do. I know it didn't work out for him at the end of the day, but if anybody wants a sort of a 101 crash course on how to inspire the youth vote, whether or not you agree with his policies, um, Senator Sanders and his team did a tremendous job. Okay, uh, let us get back to the phones. We've got John in Brampton. Hi, John. Good afternoon. Uh, I did hear the comments, and I do consider them racist. At the very least, they're inflammatory. Uh, your previous caller nailed nailed right on saying she shouldn't have made those comments. And regardless of who you are, young, old, uh, senior, young person, you should vote. Uh, I hope every senior listening to it in Ontario does get out and vote. And the sooner we vote, Kathleen, when out, the better off we will be. <laughs> I do not care for anything she says. And I thought... It was very divisional. It's putting a wall up. It's telling these young, impressionable people that it's us against them. I do not like that. I do not like Kathleen Wynne, and I will not vote liberal. Um, but uh, would you have otherwise? I mean, the, the, is, I, would you have otherwise? Uh, did this comment change anything? No, I've been looking at their track record, and it speaks for itself. And that alone made made my mind up a long time ago that I will not vote for them. But this was just the straw that broke the camel's back that made me realize I'm on the right path and I'm in the right direction by voting them out. Okay, fair enough. Thanks for that. Thank you. Have a good day. Okay. Bye. Let's go to Joan in Toronto. Hey, Joan. Oh, hello. Libby, I think you and your guests, and especially the last caller, need to give your heads a good shake. Okay, there was why? nothing wrong with what the, what the Premier said. I think she was just, uh, there was actually uh, a giggle in her voice. She was just I trying don't... to uh, light a fire under these young people, get them out and vote for someone. And actually, I am, I am an older white woman. In fact, I'm older than the, than the Premier herself. And Imagine I that. nothing wrong with what she said. Imagine that. I'm older by a few years. See nothing wrong with what she said. I think she was right on target. Okay, so don't put that in your pipe and smoke it. Okay, Dad, uh, we we are happy to hear all kinds of different opinions. That's Goodbye. why we open the lines. Thanks for sharing. Okay, uh, let us go to Mike in Port Credit. Good afternoon. Beautiful sunny day today here in Port Credit. Yep. So I just wanted to say that uh, I think we hear those those words racist and bullying and et cetera, et cetera, too much used too often, but I just wanted to relay what happened la- uh, the last vote. Um, I, I was without a car, so I went over to my neighbor's uh, yard to, to borrow one, one of their teenager's bikes. And so there was four people over there. The father was 55. Uh, he had two children, 19 and 21, and they had a friend there that was 19. And I said, have you, have you guys voted? And they said, no. And I said, are you going to go over and vote? And they said, no. 
they just looked at me like, why bother? Like, they just looked like I was shocked that I was even, like, concerned about going to vote. Um, yeah, that's, that's definitely a problem. They were very apathetic. Well, and they often don't, they don't think it'll make any difference. And uh, I, unfortunately, I didn't hear all of what the Premier said, so I can't really comment on that. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, let us go to uh, Stephen in Parkdale. Hi, Stephen. Hi, Libby. How are you doing today? Fine. How are you? All right. I cannot believe how idiotic the remark was. If I was a gay, white, older woman, she doesn't want my vote? Uh, <laughs> um, I don't know. Uh, Isn't that what she's saying? You, you, if you don't vote, you, uh, you're going to have somebody like myself voting, a gay, older, white woman. <laughs> and she said even older. Even older than herself. <laughs> oh, even older. <laughs> <laughs> More gay too. I don't. Know. <laughs> uh, d- is that going like to change? A, 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 re- a re- really ridiculous thing for her to say. And d- is it going to change anything uh, that that uh, you would be doing? No, not really. I just I I, I just can't believe. You know, I can see as your, as your previous callers have said to encourage people to go out and vote. Yes, <laughs> to say. Uh, you don't vote, somebody else is going to vote, and you said no. You don't vote, you lost your vote, but no, nobody's voting in your stead. So it's important that you go out and vote. Okay. Because only you can do that for you. Okay, thanks for that. Okay. Okay, uh, let us go to Bob in Etobicoke. Hey, Bob. Hey, how are you? Fine. Yeah, um, as far as that remark goes, I can understand what she's trying to do because older people, like myself and yourself, we've... We're hey, wait a minute. To, we're, we're, <laughs> we're used to, you know, like, what is, what is right and what is wrong? Where you're applying to get younger students who have not really had, they're probably still in college and university, life is still a dream to them. And they don't know reality. They're living either on uh, family money or student welfare when they can't get a job because of the policies of this government. That's when the chickens come home to roost. And that's when they, but she's trying to get them to vote before that. And that's the problem. So the chickens are going to come home to roost because there's no jobs because of the policies in the past. And, and um I'm desperate to see that there is a change, and um, by the way, I'm heading to the Ford rally tonight again, but anyway, um, no, I, I think she's just desperate. Okay. Thank you. Thanks. Okay, bye-bye. Okay. Uh, and again, another opinion. Joyce and Scarborough, you think this is a tempest in a teapot? Yeah, I'm with Dennis and the other lady. Like, I, um, I, I experienced, I asked uh, a young working person at Scarborough Library, and and the person said, I'm going to vote like my family. And I was, I, I just stood there and stunned. And I thought, and it's just like uh, the other people say, they're apathetic. Uh, they're young. They don't really have an interest in politics. Anyway, thank you, Libby. Okay, Joyce, thanks for that. Okay, and uh, Joan in North York. Hey, Joan. Oh, yes. I really think that Wynne is very racist. Um, she's pro-Parliament, I guess, because they can't slap her for it. If it was a male that said that or a person of color said that, um, it would be called racist. Now, um, so what are we supposed to, if we, you know, why is she not being called for that to be racist? Because, again, my second question is, how does she know what color you are when you vote and what age you are. Well, um, the, the age part certainly has been measured, uh, and I think David can answer that question better yeah. than me. There's, uh, there's lots of research by both the electoral uh, officers, both uh, provincially and federally, and by other research as to you know, what age. Uh, we know how many people are on the voters list by age, and we know roughly what percentage of them turn up. So that part, she wouldn't, you're right though, the caller's right, she wouldn't know you individually. But as an aggregate, we know uh, what the turnout is among the different groups. Okay. Well, thanks. Anyways, that's my opinion. I, Thank you. Yeah. I know she's desperate, and um, I don't think being so racist and, you know, individualizing people, that she'd be allowed to say that. I don't think other people wouldn't get away with it. So, 
if people vote for her, I feel sorry for this province is all I can say. But thank you for taking my call. Okay, you're very welcome. Bye for now. Bye. Let's go to Ralph in Rockwood. Hi, Libby. It's Ralph. Hi, Ralph. Uh, Listen, I've been hearing all these comments about uh, our premier. And one thing I want to say, I'm really surprised she didn't say anything about white straight people. Um, I know it's not a great comment, but this woman has got to go. There is no reason for anyone to vote for her, whether being black, white, yellow, or purple. That's my comment. Thank you for taking my call. Okay. Um, Let's hear from Irene in Burlington. Yes, hi. Hi. Um, I I think her comment is really, really out of place. If older people, I mean, it would be so bad for all the people deciding the young future, then she's decent herself. She has no business being there. And it doesn't matter. I mean, she can threaten them instead of encouraging them to take part in their future. And, I mean, her comment was ridiculous. And it confirms that I would not vote for her or liberals at all. Okay. Thanks for that. Uh, thanks. We have time for uh, one more before we're going to kind of move along to the actual throne speech. Uh, John in Toronto. Oh, hi, Dave. I think she's very desperate uh, to win again. Uh, if someone else gets into like conservatives or whatever, I think they're going to find quite a few things wrong for what she's done. They'll be probably looking at all the books. Okay, thanks Thank for that, John. Bye. All right, um, wrapping this topic up, um, David, is the, is this going to have legs or what? Well, I think if she keeps doing it this way, it will. Um, One thing we didn't talk about is it's very condescending to the young people. It assumes that they will only be motivated by uh, stopping someone else, that they don't have a constructive, positive point of view on the future of Ontario that's worthwhile, and that they might share the same ideas of some of the older people. So I think it's very patronizing to them as well. Okay. Uh, So, David? Thanks very much for that. Thanks for having me. Uh, Ashton, you hang on. We're going to take a quick break. Then we are going to come back. Bob Comsick is going to give us an update on what was actually in the speech, and then we will take um, a good look at that. So hang on, Ashton. David, thank you. And we're going to take a quick break right now. Thanks. Some more reasons to listen to Zoomer Radio's Afternoon Express. Do you like good music? A, you're working all afternoon. B, it's all the music you love. C, there's no better entertainment to take your mind off traffic. And D, well, that's Eva D, of course. Afternoons are so much fun, especially with Norm Edwards. Now, if I could only get him to stop singing off-key. The Afternoon Express with Norm and Eva D. Get in on the good times so many Zoomer listeners are raving about. Weekday afternoons on Zoomer Radio AM 740 and downtown Toronto at 96.7 FM. I'm stepping out with my baby. Can't go wrong, cause I'm in right. It's for sure, not for maybe, that I'm all dressed up tonight. Stepping Out lays a big French kiss on the new musical An American in Paris. Magic, romance, and memorable Gershwin tunes. This show's got it all, including Tony Award-winning choreography. Don't miss your chance to see An American in Paris. In Toronto, dancing its way onto the Princess of Wales Theatre stage starting on March 27th. Get your tickets today at Mervish.com. Zoomer Radio is the proud media sponsor of Abamania at Roy Thompson Hall on April 6th. And staying with Roy Thompson Hall, hear your favorite songs from vintage shows such as Carousel and more recent productions like Wicked when TSO on Broadway celebrates American Musical Theatre on April 10th, 11th, and 12th. Zoomer Radio is also proud to welcome Chicago and REO Speedwagon to the Budweiser stage on August 8th. Search Ticketmaster.ca for best seating. I'm Carly Saggy. For a complete listing of arts and events, check out ZoomerRadio.ca. Hey, Zoomer, have ice cream for breakfast. Order the expensive wine. Give up your seat to someone younger. Turn up the TV so the neighbors can't hear you making love. Learn a new language. Read Zoomer magazine and shake up your life. 
celebrate 10 years of Zoomer magazine with Oprah Winfrey on the cover of the April issue, available now. Correcting misconceptions about chip reverse mortgages. Myth, you could lose your home. Not true. This is Canada. You always maintain ownership and control of your home, and no monthly mortgage payments are required. Myth, you have to be debt-free. Not true. Debt is okay, and you don't have to own your home outright to qualify. Myth, age is a handicap. Wrong. Would CARP recommend chip reverse mortgages if that were true? The older you are, the more you may qualify for, starting at age 55. Myth. Taxes and pensions are affected. Not true. CHIP income is tax-free without affecting pensions. CHIP reverse mortgages are federally regulated, 100% Canadian, and provided by Home Equity Bank in business for over 30 years. Get a free estimate of what you qualify for at chipradio.ca. Have tax-free income for the retirement you've always dreamed of without selling your home. Learn how at chipradio.ca. My mother has to wait 218 days for hip replacement surgery. That means 217 sleepless nights, 31 weeks of crippling pain, and seven fewer months of bonding with her grandchildren. The worst part? She's one of the lucky ones. Wait times in Ontario are getting worse, and it's the government's fault. Your doctor doesn't want you to wait a second longer. Make healthcare matter this coming election. A message from your doctor and the doctors of Ontario. Fight back with Libby Zneimer on Zoomer Radio. Okay, uh, we are back. And interesting, there was that ad uh, oh. right before this, Make Healthcare Matter. I think uh, all three parties are doing that. But right now, Bob Comsick is here uh, with an update on what was actually in the throne speech. Bob. Which wrapped up minutes ago by the Lieutenant Governor Libby. The, the highlights, the priorities that uh, she basically put out there, what the, the government is saying. So she's basically saying this, reducing wait times for healthcare by significantly increasing operating budgets. Now, no numbers for hospitals? Were, yeah, but no number for operating budgets for hospitals, but there are no numbers. Expect that to come out later this month when the uh, when the budget will be uh, announced by the finance minister. Expanding home care to provide more services for seniors choosing to stay at home and provide financial relief for those families who are caring for aged loved ones. Making investments in mental health, as well as a Addiction services so that people of all ages, as was said in the in the speech, can get the care they need. Ensuring that more without a drug and dental benefits plan will have access to more affordable prescription drugs and dental care, as well as uh, more to be done as far as child care. So, it's just a general overview. Expect more in terms of how they plan to achieve that the Liberals later this month when that budget and, comes out. And no me. money attached no, to it. Nothing. No nothing. No dollar signs attached to it. Okay. Um, thanks, Bob, for that. So uh, we have Ashton Arsenault on the line, and uh, we are bringing in Aleem Kanji, who is the Vice President of Government Relations for the Sutherland Corporation. And uh, let's start with Aleem. What uh, do you make of what you're hearing? Well, there's a certain uh, theme we heard uh, from uh, by, by virtue of that update, and I know the throne speech just concluded minutes ago. But look at whether it's healthcare or home care or mental health uh, care or child care. That that theme that resonates uh, in from uh, from the throne speech is uh, is that key word of care. And you know, I believe that uh, that the Liberals are going to run, and Premier Wynne is going to run on that agenda of uh, care uh, versus cuts uh, that she certainly expects to see from uh, from the progressive conservatives insofar as is how they want to reach their uh, agenda and their and their mandate. So really, it, I think it, it is that care. Care versus cuts, certainly not costed out at this point in time. Uh, but then again, uh, neither is the, the PC agenda, uh, policy agenda, or the NDP agenda at this point in time. Uh, yeah, nothing costed out, though. It certainly looks like um, uh, they, there will be new money. Ashton, what do you think of this? Yeah, I'm just going over Bob's list there. So it's not unusual that uh, uh, a throne speech uh, isn't costed. They rarely are. Um, so reducing wait times, expanding home care, mental health investments, uh, more investments into drugs and dental, 
and more childcare. I think that's all pretty much the exact type of cookie cutter uh, liberal policies that we were expecting today. Uh, I didn't know. I, I didn't get to watch it myself, obviously. So I don't know if there was a couple of other nuggets that may or may not be in there. But you know, I, what I want to talk about is actually the fact that you know they had to prorogue to do this, and sort of prorogations come over the last few years, especially to be viewed as a dirty word of sorts. When in reality, it isn't. That said, when you have an 11th hour prorogation, like the Ontario Liberals have just pulled off, you start to see why people have grown suspicious of the tactic over the years. So look at the timing of the throne speech. Uh, it's mere months away from the election. The fact that government's main opposition just elected a new party leader. The fact the Ontario Liberals continue to sag in the polls. You can really only chalk this up, uh, decision up to one thing, and that is, that is politics, pure and simple. Uh, this is very calculated on behalf of the government. Um, and the fact that they're doing it in advance of another communications document, uh, that being the budget, uh, with within just a couple of weeks. Uh, I Less think than a couple of weeks. Yeah, uh, yeah. it's so, uh, like eight days. Exactly, exactly. I, I think it's I think it's painting a fairly clear picture of what the government's interests are, and that's to get a re- reelected, and it's simply that. Um, uh, so, Aleem, but does it make any difference how much attention are uh, people actually going to pay to this uh, and the fact that they prorogued uh, the legislature in order to uh, deliver this speech? You know, I, I think what, what the incumbent government is trying to do really is to get ahead uh, of what's to come. Uh, they, You know, you, you saw the timing yesterday around the NDP's platform uh, that came out that tried to preempt the throne speech uh, today, uh, sucking a lot of the oxygen out of the room in terms of the media. And then, of course, you've got the PCs with the uh, unity rally uh, tonight. Um, So, you know, we are weeks away, of course, from the election. We're days away from the budget. And, uh, you know, this is is, uh, a game at its finest, if you will. Everyone's trying to one-up each other and and suck up all of the the, uh, media time to talk about what it is that they want to talk about. Um, you know, what's really fascinating, though, Libby, I'll share with your, your listeners, is that um, the Premier put out a statement, um, and she put this out yesterday and said that a major policy announcement uh, aimed at, quote, those 60 and over, uh, age 60 and over, which might be of, of interest to some of, uh, some of your listeners, will be happening tomorrow uh, in Toronto, in Leaside, which... Uh, for those unfamiliar with, is, is right in the heart of her, her riding in, in Toronto. And so, you know, listening to some of the calls today around uh, the comments that the, the Premier made, uh, you got to wonder what's up. Is it an expansion of, of some of the ideas around health care uh, that will come forward tomorrow at that announcement? Um, is she trying to make amends with, uh, with some of the older folks? <laughs> we will see tomorrow. Uh, but, but no shortage of... of uh, of ideas that are being uh, that are being uh, positioned uh, for for that that uh, that senior vote, a very very captive audience. Well, um, we have to see. I'm, I'm just wondering. So it looks like because uh, I talked to Doug Ford last week, and he says he's going to be releasing his platform soon. But he did mention that among his priorities will be to reduce wait times in hospitals, reduce the hallway medicine. Uh, he also talked about, uh, you know, modest dental care for seniors, I believe. And uh, I, I think home care would be part of that. Uh, so it looks like from a policy point of view, all three parties are focusing on health care, except in terms of the Liberals, you know, I would have thought the ballot question will be, you know, Kathleen Wynne, and has she been there too long? So, Ashton, is it in their advantage if, if uh, the issue sort of becomes who's, who's offering the best health care package? I don't think so. I think uh, what we've seen today is a, is a tired government that has attempted to throw everything, including the kitchen sink, into a re-election effort. Uh, I don't think it's surprising that the government is targeting uh, these age groups and this audience, um, because as we were touching on in the previous segment, Libby, these are, these are folks who vote, uh, and they vote with great consistency. Um, as to whether or not, uh, you know, whose who's platform is ultimately going to do more for that age group over the others, well, I think we are still relying on, uh, on, on seeing the other two 
Uh, Doug Ford's mentioned in the past that he's sort of a, a big five priorities guy, which is uh, a, a page directly out of the, uh, the federal conservative playbook, uh, if you'll recall when Stephen Harper was elected in 2006 on a, on a similar package. So I, I, I think we still have a lot to learn, and as the election gets closer, I think you'll see targeted announcements by all three parties. I think they'll ultimately want to roll out their platform uh, quite slowly uh, to make sure that they are maximizing their media exposure. Uh, yeah, and I guess the question is, I mean, one of the things uh, that uh, Kathleen Wynne is criticized for is saying, you know, with a, a lot of these things, it costs a lot of money, you know, where were you five years ago to bring these things in gradually, and now uh, you know, you want to bring them in very quickly? Ashton. Yeah, I, I think it's unfortunate. I mean, we want to talk about a waste of money. I, I just have to go back and I have to visit the throne speech. You know, she disingenuously said last week that it's one of the only ways that the government can lay out its priorities. That's simply not true. The Ontario Liberals have the entire provincial government communications apparatus at their disposal to communicate their priorities, and they do so very often. Um, you no know, kidding, they do. I, I would encourage your listeners to visit the Ontario newsroom right now just to see how often the government lays out its priorities. So this is actually a rather absurd comment from the pe- Premier. What this actually is, Libby, is the Ontario Liberals saying, all right, let's throw everything we have into our re-election effort. That's what this is. Okay. So, let's, uh, let's hear from Kathleen in Toronto. Hi, Kathleen. Are you there? Kathleen? Okay, I guess Kathleen is not there. She was uh, about to say some nice things about Kathleen Wynne, but um, I can't hear her. So we have uh, Julius in Scarborough. Hello, Julius. Julius? Uh, Can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you now. Okay, I just want to state that Miss Wynne, uh, with all due respect, really had no business being the leader of a major party in Ontario. She came in as a school trustee. How she got the, uh, the leadership is beyond me. And she doesn't understand capitalism. She thinks everything can be legislated by being fair, fair, fair. Uh, it's, it's just been a disaster. She's been the wrong person in this job. And she never should have been in there. Okay, Julius. Uh, I'm Julius signing off. Okay, Julius. Thanks for that. Thanks. Okay, well, um, I... I don't know that anything that happened today is going to uh, change anybody's uh, mind about that. Oh, I think we have uh, our other caller on the line, so let's ha- let's let the other Kathleen have her say. Hello, Kathleen. Hello, Libby. Uh, I just wanted to say I was very sorry to hear what they have criticized Kathleen Wynne. I think she has done a superb job. This woman has worked hard, and she is a very, very intelligent woman. I think she's done actually more for the seniors so far than anyone. And when they run down the Liberal government, I would like some people to think of when Harper was in and how terrible it was. I would think twice before wanting to change the government. I think we have a wonderful prime minister who has worked very, very hard, and I know that if we go back to conservative, our expenses and a lot of things are going to go up that we don't expect because Harper's, uh, it was spoke before that Ford said he was going to cut down on a lot of the deficit that we have, but that other things were going to go up that were going to cost the seniors more money. So I personally hope that people think about what the government was like when we had Harper. It was pretty disgusting. Okay, thanks for that, Kathleen. You're welcome. Okay, well, um, Kathleen Wynn still has some support. Um, We're going to uh, wrap this segment up. So, uh, Aleem, what would you like to leave us with? You know, there's no shortage of of permutations and combinations that that could happen, and we're hearing that a lot from your your listeners. In terms of a a result on the 7th of June, um, polls are what they are, um, and... If Ontario is headed for a minority government situation, which we very, very well could be, um, judging by some of the, the, the tone of some of the, the listeners, the callers today, that may in fact put the third party, the party that finishes in third place, uh, added, at, at an advantage, um, given that they may hold the balance of power in a minority situation, be that the Liberals, the NDP or the Progressive Conservatives. 
Um, and the other thing I, I just wanted to quickly touch on was um, the front end of your show, a lot of listeners calling in about the recent comments by uh, the Premier, which uh, some would say she meant uh, in jest and, and meant as a joke. I, I would reflect back on the comment that one Hillary Clinton made about her opposition, uh, entitling them and, and labeling them as the deplorables. Uh, and we all know how that turned out for uh, for Ms. Clinton, and, and some would say it cost her the presidency of the United States. So uh, I would be very careful uh, if I was the leader of any of the three parties in, uh, in making uh, those sorts of, of, of comments uh, that could really turn off uh, a voting base um, moving forward uh, as, we, as, we, uh, as we hit the next uh, seven, eight weeks. Okay, Aleem, thanks for that. Ashton? Yeah, just two quick comments and sort of uh, hearkening to what your last caller was saying. I think I've said this before in this program. Anybody that discounts the intelligence uh, and the political operation style of Kathleen Wynne is doing so at their own peril. She is remarkably smart, and I think she's proven that time and time again. Um, she's the premier of the province, after all, and that doesn't happen overnight. Uh, in terms of what's next for the government, I would like everybody to keep their eyes on the upcoming budget. Um, the government came out and said, rather, uh, rather frankly, uh, Minister Suda didn't even bat an eye. He said, look, uh, remember how we talked about a possible balanced budget last year? Well, that's actually nonsense. What we're going to do... They didn't say possible last year. <laughs> right. They said, look, you know what? Uh, rather than do that, we're going to plunge ourselves further into debt, upwards of $8 billion, to see if we can make the Ontario Liberals look more appealing than they are right now. It really is hard to believe. So I think, outside of what we heard in the throne speech today, and I'll have to go and read it just to make sure I'm up to date on everything... I think you're going to see a lot more uh, grandiose policy announcements coming through the budget, and there will actually be figures tied, tied to them. Okay. Thank you both, Aleem and Ashton. Thank you very much. Always a pleasure. Okay. Uh, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to uh, talk about something that's always been a, um, uh, a big issue here. Um, so uh, we're going to be talking about uh, the new slowdown uh, Toronto campaign just initiated today. Uh, so we'll be right back with that after this. Uh, there have been a lot of pedestrian deaths, and uh, this is one attempt to stop that. Jan Arden, iconic Canadian songstress and best-selling author, returns with new music on her album, These Are the Days. Jan Arden, These Are the Days, filled with bravery, courage, and passion. CD and white vinyl, available now at musicvaults.com. Music Vaults, discover great music. Your home was once your comfort zone, but now you have an accessibility challenge that turns a home into a hazard. The solution? The Total Home Safety Check. Total Access Center will come to your home, check every room for potential hazards, and then suggest the best safety solutions. It's sort of like your home adapting to you. Book your no-charge assessment with the Total Access Center. Call 416-546-1000. Yes, the Total Home Safety Check is free. And isn't that comforting? Right now, for only $199 every two weeks, you can lease a 2018 Ford F-150, the truck that every other truck wants to be. F-150 is the first pickup ever made with military-grade aluminum alloy, improving payload, towing, and fuel efficiency. Lease a 2018 XLT 300A5 liter with trailer tow package for 36 months at 0.99% APR with $41.50 down. Plus, get $1,000 in no-charge Ford accessories. Visit findyourford.ca or your local Ford store for details. You got this. I got this. <clears throat> Hello, Mike from State Farm. I need car insurance, but I won't settle for anything less than a good deal. Oh, wow. 30%. That's incredible. Yeah, well, do you have an app? Oh, you do. And I can access my policies from anywhere? Well, that's just perfect. Yeah, I will have a great day. And you better, too. I'm proud of you. I'm proud of me, too. I'm sweating. A State Farm agent can help you save up to 30% on car insurance. Walk in, call, or visit statefarm.ca. Some conditions apply. Did you hear? Listen Up Canada is changing its name to Hearing Life. The signs on the outside might be changing, but our staff, our dedication, and expertise remain the same on the inside. We are proudly serving over 200 communities across Canada with one simple vision to help more people hear better. A free hearing test could be the difference between living and living out loud. Because at Hearing Life, your hearing is our expertise. 
Visit whoishearinglife.ca. Fight Back with Libby Zneimer on Zoomer Radio. Welcome back. Well, as uh, children headed back to school after March break, uh, Toronto police launched a new traffic campaign called Slow Down Toronto. Uh, Now, this is something they initiated in school zones. Uh, Very important. We've had a couple of tragic accidents in school zones. However, they've also identified speed speed corridors, excuse me, where there have been a large number of traffic fatalities, especially Scarborough. Uh, They've also been talking about the latest part of the so-called Vision Zero plan, which is to reduce the number of traffic fatalities to zero. Uh, Right now, let's go to Constable Clint Stibbe with Traffic Services to tell us a little more about this. Hello. Hi, how are you? Fine, thanks. Uh, So what exactly are you launching and, and what are you going to try to do about these speed corridors? So what we are doing is uh, this campaign isn't just geared at uh, school safety zones. They're actually geared at uh, areas where we've identified uh, fatalities have occurred and uh, where speed is a contributing factor. But even when we look at collisions, it isn't just speed. It's distraction, aggressive driving. So that could be somebody using a cell phone, talking to somebody inside a car, or somebody that's just, quite honestly, running late for work and is driving uh, too fast, not paying enough attention to what's going on, and unfortunately taking lives. So we need to keep in mind that uh, challenge is uh, pretty big because we look at uh, last year's collision numbers. I think we had uh, approximately 74,000 collisions last year. And of that, uh, we had a significant number of fatalities. Although those fatality numbers have gone down over the years, the reality is they're not at zero. They need to be at zero because somewhere, somewhere along the line, someone knows some of this been struck and or killed by a motor vehicle, and that is just unacceptable. You know, the overwhelming number of uh, pedestrians killed are older people, and that's because they're more likely to die of their injuries. And and it seems to me that a big part of the problem, uh, especially in the suburbs, is that you sometimes the the distance between lights is huge, and people don't walk to the next light, they try to cross in the middle of the road. That is that right? Well, that is unfortunately uh, a problem that we've been having in a number of our collision uh, investigations where we've seen uh, the crossing may have been a significant distance. But that being said, there's also been situations where the crossing has only been a few meters away. So I, I think that really runs the gamut of uh, different types of collisions that we see and also different distances. But at the same time, it shows a lack of caution. And I'm not saying on the pedestrian's part. I'm saying more on the driver's part. The reality is, if you're paying attention, you see somebody that maybe is trying to step on the road, most of the time you can do something to avoid a collision. I would think that most of the time an individual is doing whatever they can to avoid a collision. But what we have seen far too many times is, uh, and we'll use rear-end uh, collisions, for example, they're probably the number one collision that we see on the expressways. How is it that you're running to the back of that car? You're not paying attention. You're following too close or you're driving too fast. Any one of those is uh, one of the leading causes for you to be involved in that type of collision. But what we need to recognize that if you gave yourself that extra room, if you weren't tailgating, chances are that a collision would never have happened. But when we look at uh, pedestrian struck fatalities, uh, a lot of times uh, an injury that may seem insignificant uh, for, say, a senior in the end, becomes more complex and in some cases complicating in their uh, because of their healing condition. And as a result, it leads to a complication that unfortunately in some cases leads to their death. So uh, we do see that uh, a lot as a kind of a joint uh, issue between the collision occurring and the uh, physical well-being of the individual that is compromised because the older you are, the harder it is for you to heal from an injury. I mean, when we were all kids, we fell, we scratched our knee, we jumped up and we'd start running down the road. Uh, even if we'd injured ourselves. But the older we get, the longer it takes us to get up, to get moving, to, you know, to, to, get, to shake that injury off. And the reality is, in some cases, those injuries, although not appearing to be significant, actually are, unfortunately, in some cases, leading to an individual uh, passing away as a result. Well, um, you know, with the following too closely, it's, it's not even something that an individual driver can necessarily fix on their own, because I know I try to leave a, a, a good uh, amount of space, but when I do, half the time somebody just gets in in front of me. You know what, that is something we recognize, but keep in mind that 
Uh, you as a driver are still responsible. So let's say that person makes a lane change in front of you and then traffic comes to a sudden halt. And you end up striking the rear of that motor vehicle. Well, the reality is you're still too close. I mean, if a lane change is made and it doesn't affect the individual, and, and what I mean by that is when a lane change is made, that, doesn't, that person doesn't have to apply the brakes to slow down or something to that effect because the movement doesn't actually affect them. Because there could be 20, 30 meter gap between uh, yourself and that vehicle in front of you, depending on how fast you're going. The faster you go, you would hope those distances are much, much greater. But if the movement of that individual doesn't affect the driver to the point that they have to actually react to the actual movement, there's nothing wrong or nothing uh, in law that says that person actually committed an offense. But it's safe driving practices by leaving these extra spaces uh, and the extra time that gives you the ability to react to the situation that you're presented with. So what are you actually doing in this campaign, Slow Down Toronto? It, exactly that, slow down. Because the reality is we see uh, speeding tickets as the number one ticket that we issue as a service and uh, really the number one reason that we're seeing fatalities on our roads. Quite often, especially when we look at Scarborough, a lot larger roadways, a lot higher speed limits than downtown. Downtown, a lot of limits have been changed down to the 30 kilometer per hour uh, speed limit. But out in the the suburbs, if you will, or let's say the outer portions of the of Toronto, you've got a different type of environment, much wider roads, speeds are higher, 60, where, where in some cases individuals are doing 80 or 90 kilometers per hour or even higher on these roads because they're so big, because they're so wide, to give the, the impression that they're uh, able to be driven on faster. But the reality is the rules are the rules. You have to slow down. You have to be at or below the posted speed limit. And those speed limits are for good, clear, dry days. We have snow, we have rain, we have fog, we have any sort of environmental uh, condition that's impacting the way you operate a motor vehicle. You need to make sure that you're reducing your speed accordingly. But the biggest challenge we have right now is officers cannot be everywhere all the time. The single biggest or easiest way that we will be able to deal with this issue is through cultural change. Drivers have to change their behavior because of the millions of people we have in the city and the up untold number of cars that we have moving through the city. Collisions don't have to occur as long as you're following the rules and are aware of your surroundings. And uh, what's the average ticket cost? I would think that's a deterrent. Hmm. Well, it depends. The A lot of people, and I've heard it actually, oddly enough, I think we've had a conversation on this before. I've heard had individuals say to me that, well, you can't write a ticket because I'm not at least 15 kilometers per hour over the posted limit. Well, well, how could you even be thinking that? Because really, at one kilometer over the limit, we can write a ticket. Would we at one? Probably not. But the reality is, fines are structured beginning at one kilometer over the limit till you reach 50 or higher over the posted limit. So the average ticket is hard to say, but I can tell you that I think as you drive down the road, whether you're on the expressway or even in the city, it's not hard to see it more than... I'd say 90% of vehicles traveling faster than they should when possible. Obviously, bumper-to-bumper rush hour traffic, that's not likely. But if you're dealing with uh, maybe lunch right now, I'm looking at uh, Dundas, and I can see all the way down to uh, Victoria from uh, Jarvis, you know, it doesn't take much for a person to get above the posted 30 or 40 kilometer per hour speed limit in that distance. Pretty much any car on the road now, speedometers go up to 200, 220 kilometers per hour because each one of these vehicles are capable of extremely high speeds. Okay, and how long is this blitz going to last? Uh, this is running for the next uh, two weeks. Uh, we'll finish on April 1st, so Sunday, April 1st. And uh, I just want to point out that we will be looking at a couple different things. So parking, op- parking enforcement officers will be in school zones. Uh, where necessary, we'll be tagging and towing vehicles, uh, if they should have uh, any reason to. We only have uh, less than a minute left. Yeah, and uh, really, we're using variable messaging signs, hybrid messaging signs, as well as social media to get the message out. If the public listens, then we can save lives. Okay. Thank you for that, Constable right. Clint Stibby. Thank you. Okay, bye-bye. All right, thanks. And that is all the time we have for Fight Back for today. We now break for traffic and news. It looks to be a very good drive if you're headed out on the highways around the GTA right now. A little bit of volume, but nothing in the way of serious slowdowns to talk about. We do, however, have serious problems. Dundas at Jarvis. Dundas actually closed to Jarvis uh, due to a serious collision. Emergency crews are on scene. You may want to avoid the area if at all possible. The spring and Audi sales event is on at Audi Oakville. Get lease rates from 1.9% and payments from $418 per month on the 2018 Audi A4. Visit AudiOakville.com, your distinctive experience destination. More traffic in minutes on Zoomer Radio.
You're listening to Zoomer Radio in Toronto, CFZM AM 740, and CFZM FM 96.7 in downtown Toronto. Owned and operated by MZ Media Incorporated. Zoomer Radio, timeless hits. Good afternoon, 1 o'clock. I'm Bob Comsick with news on Zoomer Radio. Sunny, windy, a high of 1. We're at minus 3 which is 27 Fahrenheit, and the wind chill is minus 6. And in the news at Queen's Park, the speech from the throne in the past hour outlining the provincial Liberals' plans to address hospital wait times, home care, mental health care, child care. Political strategist Aleem Kanji telling Zoomer Radio's fight back with Libby's Nimer. It's obvious what the Liberals' theme will be heading into the election. Care versus cuts certainly not costed out at this point in time. Uh, but then again, uh, neither is the, the PC agenda, uh, policy agenda, or the NDP agenda at this point in time. And fellow strategist Ashton Arsenault also telling Fight Back this speech was a calculated move. The fact that they're doing it in advance of another communications document, uh, that being the budget, I think it's painting a fairly clear picture of what the government... You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.